Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. We are starting a new series. You've seen some of it on Facebook. And on Facebook, you'll see some videos and some different things about this particular message that we're starting. And, and I start with this question. And you've seen the video trailers we've had. I'm not going to play it again today. I will play it later to come. But I, I want to ask this question. Is our church walking dead? Some may think that's a pretty scary topic. That's, that's something we don't talk about in church. You know, when you think of walking dead, perhaps you think of the Netflix series or you think of zombies. There's plenty of videos about this and stories about zombies walking dead. You know, just to show you a couple pictures, they look like this. Yeah. And I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, I bet they never thought they would see zombies on the church screen. And I said, well, maybe not at church. They maybe not think that they would see zombies. But the reality is that your kids, if they have an iPhone or they have any iPad, they see these zombies every day. It's the most popular, one of the most popular video games on our devices is called Plants vs. Zombies. I think that's what it's called, right? Zombies vs. Plants, Plants vs. Zombies. I'm getting close. And so they see this, they, they see this all the time. I got these zombies from them. And um, zombies, you know, these are the dead, right? They're dead, but they're still alive. They're kind of alive. They walk like this, mm, you know, and their their clothes look a mess. They look scary. I think they're infected with something. And, you know, they go around and they try to, I guess, attack other people. Um, We're going to talk about zombies later as the series goes on. I just want to introduce the topic. I want you to think about them. Think about what you think about zombies, if you have any opinions about them at all. And I want you to pay attention throughout the series, and you're going to see it's, it's uncanny, the parallels between what the Bible talks about as the walking dead and zombies. Let's see. If, yes. Okay, here we go. So how does it have anything to do with the Bible? How does zombies, and why would you use zombies as a concept or a topic? That seems pretty morbid. Well, no, I think it's actually spot on. Let's get to the very basic premise of a zombie. A zombie is, in fact, dead. And yet it walks. It looks like it's alive. It acts like it's alive. But it is in fact dead. The Bible talks about this. In so many places I couldn't possibly cover it all on Sunday morning. So we'll take seven weeks to cover it. Because I think it's important. Let's start with this verse here. Jesus told them, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. It's a Bible verse, Matthew chapter 8, 22. This was when Jesus was going to get his disciples and say, follow me. Let's, let's follow me. Let's serve others. Let's love and serve and forgive. Let's be a Christian. One of the responses was, I can't. I got things to do here on earth. More important in my own life. In this case, a funeral, which is very important to do. Jesus points out, let the dead bury their own dead. I merely pointed out as, a, as an imagery, Jesus is obviously insinuating that people that are dead can still do stuff. They can walk around, they can go to funerals, they can even bury someone else. So this concept of walking dead people is something that Jesus used all the time. 
Here's another example. It's a very famous verse. Many of you know it in Ephesians 2, verse 1. I truncated it here. It says, you were, what does that word say? Dead. In your transgressions and sins. Ephesians 2, 1. It carries on in Ephesians to talk about that we were once dead because of our sin and our transgressions, the things that we have done. Spiritually, we are dead. When we sin. And when you're born, you're born into a life of sin. So up to the age of accountability, when you give your heart to Jesus, if you choose to walk in sin, you are dead, but you're still walking around doing things. Dead. Jesus says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. It follows on to say, you can have life. You see, it constantly juxtaposes. It constantly puts life and death together. Being alive and being dead together. Here's one more verse, just in case you're not sure if it's in the Bible. John chapter 5, verse 25. It says, And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it is now, when the, thank you, Miss Andy, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who will listen will, I mean, how more obvious could that be? He's saying, that there is a time, wait a minute, that time is right now, where there will be dead people who can do stuff that living people can do. They can hear. They'll walk around and they will listen. And they will actually be able to hear the voice of God. And if they do hear the voice of God and follow it, they will live. So this concept of dead walking is all throughout Scripture. And Jesus is constantly comparing the dead walking the live walking. Now he's referring obviously to something spiritual, something inside, being dead spiritually, being alive spiritually. That's the context of these verses. And we're going to get into lots more verses as time go on. But the point of it is, is spiritually we are either dead or alive. Now I know most of you, and I'm scanning the church real quick, most of you, I don't know if there's any visitors here today that I haven't met personally. If I haven't met you personally after church, please come up, introduce yourself. I'd love to say hi. But with that said, most of you have heard the gospel. Most of you uh, love the Lord. Most of you are alive spiritually because you've given your heart to Jesus Christ. And when you do that, he says he creates a new creation inside of you as a new birth. You become reborn or born again, the Bible says. So this series is not necessarily to talk about your spiritual transition into being alive, because most of us are alive. The scary thing is, here it is, here's the uncanny resemblance. Zombies? Yeah, they were alive too. At one point, they were normal human beings, walking around, doing what they were supposed to be doing. Then something happened to them. They weren't born that way. Something happened. Something during their life. Transformed them into these zombies, these walking dead. And that is exactly what I'm worried about. Any of us, or all of us, or me, or this church, somehow we come in here spiritually alive, spiritually excited, and something happens, and in fact, we become nothing more than walking dead. So I'm going to walk through this series over the next couple of weeks and discuss it. What's the purpose of this series? This is great, because I have a couple minutes here, and, and there was no other special activities, so I get to really preach today, and I'm, I'm going to do a lot of different things I was excited to do, so bear with me. So today, I want to start with, what's the point of the series? Why am I going to do this? The point of the series is to talk about what an alive church looks like, what a dead church looks like. 
what an alive Christian looks like and what a dead Christian looks like. I'm not talking about the sinner. I'm talking about the Christian. What is the purpose not for this series? What I don't want you to do is to judge other churches. That's not the point of this series. This is about our church. This isn't about taking a look at, at this teaching and start saying, well, is this church dead or is that church dead? Is the church I used to go to dead? It's not to go enlighten your friends either. Oh, oh, I've, I, 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 I went to this sermon series and I, I realized you go to a dead church. You should probably come to my church. That, that's not what this is about. This is not to judge other pastors either, other men of God. Look, I've learned this the hard way. You know, as a pastor, I look, I see what other pastors are doing. I see what other churches are doing, other denominations are doing. And, and they, many of them do things very different than I do. Some do things the same way I do. It's easy to wonder, should I do it this way? Should I do it which way is better? All these preferences come to mind. It's easy to want to judge or want to evaluate someone else. But I can't tell you how many times we have sat in those pastor meetings and we've had to make decisions that from the outside look really suspect. That look, that doesn't look like the right decision. Or we've had to do things that we normally wouldn't do unless we had the information that we had, and therefore we had to do it. And who could judge that? Lest you were in those meetings. This is the mantle we have to carry. So I no longer pass any judgment on any man or woman of God who's doing things their way, how they want to do it. This is about judging what we do here at Kingsway. Amen? By the way, I needed to say this a disclaimer. This is also not to judge other members of Kingsway. So don't look to your neighbor and say, definitely, yep, you're dead. De don't do that. That's not the point of the series, right? All right, so as it comes to the alive part, the purpose of the series is about self-examination. We need to look at ourselves, but as self as individuals, as individuals, are we walking dead Christians I do want you to come to that conclusion by the end of this series, and we're going to talk about it a little bit each week. But more importantly than as individuals, as a church, you guys are part of a church, a growing church. You know, we have about 120, 150 that come on Sunday. It's usually not the same 150. Bridget has the, the attendance sheet and, and the people who come, and we track it. We have about 200 people generally. If everybody didn't go on vacation and everybody came to church one Sunday together, it'd be about 200, which, which is still less than half of what the sanctuary can fill. God has a, a place and a mantle for this church, and so we need to evaluate what we're doing as a church. Okay, That's what I want to do. And so as we evaluate Kingsway, I want to evaluate what does it mean as a Kingsway to be producing walking dead? Church, as Kingsway, is Kingsway a dead church? And what are the signals and, and what are the things I need to look out for to make sure that we don't become a dead church? And as we look at that as individuals, I'm going to question you. I'm going to challenge you. What is your role at Kingsway? What is your role? Are you adding life to the body or are you walking dead? I start with this question. What makes you alive? Maybe it's something you don't think about. What makes you alive? There's all sorts of sci-fi movies about this. And there's things that we learned in biology that tells us what we're alive. And we're going to talk about what those are. What makes the church alive? What's the difference between a live church and a dead church? Because I'm sure some of you got some really, I would love to pull the audience here. I won't do it. But I, I, Chad, where, Chad had to leave. 
You see, we just need to get some full-time staff. If we had full-time staff, I would have told somebody, grab a mic, and for the last couple weeks, I would say, what makes a live church? I can only imagine the things we would have heard. A live church means you're jumping up and down during worship. Definitely. If you're dead church, you don't jump up and down during worship. It means everyone's got their hands up, and I mean everyone. If somebody's got their hands down, definitely a dead church. Uh, it means you pray out loud, and when we pray, everybody prays. That's a live church. It means you pray in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, you're dead. It means that everyone wears a suit, and they all look the same. It means that, I mean, you go on and on and on. It means that all the greeters are nice. Everyone's nice in the church. All the humans in your church are nice means you have an alive church. And I got so many examples from my past. And look, as individuals, we do this all the time. If you go visit a church, you're judging from the moment you drive in a parking lot, right? It's power wash, the curbs, they'll have a place to park, or their visitors only spots. Somebody going to greet me, right? Where's the kids' ministry? Where's this church going? Where's my donut? Where's my coffee? Where's my seat? If all those things check off, maybe they're alive. Otherwise, they're dead. They don't even recognize me. So I want to use this series to take a look at not just what I think makes a church alive, but it's very interesting. I went and did this research, and it actually didn't take long, and, and the pastors helped me do this. But you can go to biology class, and there are seven characteristics, seven characteristics of what makes anything alive. So if you want to know how we're preaching this sermon, you can go to Google and type in the seven characteristics, and you can cheat. When I went and compared them to Scripture, again, the resemblance is uncanny. And so my attempt through this series is to compare those seven characteristics of what makes anything alive to what makes a Christian or a church alive. There are seven characteristics. The first characteristic that makes anything alive is that they need, if it's alive, it needs to eat. Oh, yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I like doing that. If he ends his sermon a little sooner, I could go do that right now. It needs to eat. If it doesn't eat, it's not alive. So I don't know about the zombies. This is suspect here. Zombies technically don't eat anything. In other words, they don't need to eat to live. They just live. Now, they do, I guess, kind of weirdly eat other people, but I don't think they're doing that to live. They just do that as an attack. Um, but to, to live, they, can just, they just kind of don't need to eat. So I think, that's, I think that makes them not alive. But you need to eat anything. So birds, they eat. They eat worms. They eat fish. Plants, they eat. They eat minerals. They absorb light. But you know what they eat? You may be surprised. People who plant plants and, and around plants know this and around greeneries, they feel much better when you're around uh, green and lush and flowers and trees. They eat carbon dioxide. The stuff that you put out of your body that's poison, plants eat it. And they spit out oxygen. So when you're around them, you feel really good. That's what they eat. Insects. Insects, well, they eat plants. They eat all sorts of nastiness. They can even eat your skin. This is kind of terrible. Insects eat. That makes all these things alive. Here's something else. A virus. Is a virus alive? You know, I looked that up real quick. Viruses don't eat anything. They can't eat anything. They grow by going into a host and taking over. The viruses are technically not alive. But humans are definitely alive by this characteristics. We like to eat. And Americans, like none other. But how do you know what to eat? As human beings, how do we know what healthy eating and unhealthy eating is? And, and as, as a Christian, what is, how does this apply to me uh, being an alive Christian or an alive church? What is a church supposed to be eating? It's a Christian we're supposed to be eating. 
So as we start thinking about these analogies, the series became so crystal clear. It's a little harder when you talk about humans, though. You know, just this morning, I was driving to church, and I checked my news feed, because it pops up, and it's impossible to get off the Apple phone. And it was saying, there was a study just today, or yesterday, just today, or yesterday it came out on my phone, I read it today. It talked about vegans and vegetarians. You know, we all think they're the most healthiest people on the planet, at least they all claim to be. And it was, it was saying that, uh-oh, Vegans and vegetarians, beware. We now have scientific proof. Just yesterday, news report. Scientific proof that every vegetarian that we have tested on a purely vegan or vegetarian diet is going to be significantly deficient of B12. And B12, by the way, is extremely important to think, to process emotions, decisions, to have babies, tons and tons of things you need B12 for. And so we're telling our vegans and our vegetarians, you better run out to the market and buy some big pills or eat some meat. Because in meat, there's a lot of B12. So you never know what to eat and not what to eat. You know, what, what used to be good wasn't good. I swear when we're 50 years from now and we look back, we're going to say, what were we feeding our kids? 50, what were we, why we, we fed them poison, right? Who knows what they're going to tell us now. So I have a little video to sort of get your mindset around Good food, bad food, what's healthy, and sort of set the mind stage for this passage. Nineteen seventy nine. Oh. Wait! Stop! Don't eat that food! Who are you? What are you doing in our house? I'm from the future. I'm here to warn you, don't eat that food. Why not? The eggs, they're full of cholesterol. What? Cholesterol, it, it clogs up your arteries. Eating even just one egg can dramatically increase your chance of heart attack. Don't eat eggs. Oh my God, thank you. You're welcome. Godspeed. Well, I guess I better take those eggs. Wait! Stop! You're back! Yeah. We were wrong about the eggs. How? Well, it turns out there's two types of cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol, and eggs actually have both. So you can eat eggs, but just don't eat the egg yolks. So stick with the egg whites. Thank yes, thank you. Yeah. Godspeed! Yeah, yeah, okay, so it turns out that the amount of cholesterol in a food doesn't actually affect how much cholesterol ends up in your blood. The eggs are probably fine. In fact, we sort of don't even know what cholesterol is. But the steak! You can't eat the steak! Why not? Turns out that red meat increases your chance of heart attack. You have to cut out red meat, so no steak! Thank you. Godspeed. What, no, no steak, mister. What? Wait! We were wrong about the steak. It's the toast. Man was not meant to eat bread. What do you mean man was not meant to eat bread? Well, if you think about it, human beings should really only be eating what our Paleolithic ancestors ate. So, therefore, no bread, no toast. How do you know what our Paleolithic ancestors ate? Well, we, we just have to guess, right? I mean, we don't have any way of knowing what... 
Okay, went back to the Paleolithic. They are not doing well. I don't know what we were thinking. If anything, we should all be eating a lot more bread. Jeez. So I guess just um, ignore everything I've said and exercise. Exercise, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you guys could probably use it. You've been just sitting here for the last 35 years. It's been five minutes. Right. Time travel. All right, well, Godspeed. I still think you're not supposed to eat egg yolks, but I guess that's past. Healthy versus unhealthy diets. You know, when it comes to our human bodies, we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, literally, the fad diet changes every three to five years. And if you're in L.A., it changes every three months. Literally, you can eat anything today and it's poison tomorrow. It's good for you and vice versa. So we not only need to look at the Bible, we need to say, how does this apply to us and our own bodies as we look at our Christian walk? And so I want to be very, very clear. Matthew chapter 4. It says these words. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Simply said, churches that are alive must serve the word of God. It's as simple and clear as day. We need to eat, and we need to eat the word of God. If a church, our church, doesn't preach the word of God, we are not serving what we are supposed to be eating. What is the Word of God? Full gospel, whole Bible, the good and the bad, the pretty and the ugly. We got to cover it all. Some weeks you hear more of the good side. Other weeks you hear more of the bad side. Some weeks we put it all together depending on how much time we have. But we attempt to completely understand the Bible as it is in context and share it with you. And we hope that you guys can appreciate a church that preaches the Word of God. Amen? We need to serve it. We need to chew on it. We need to digest it. We need to depend on it. There are so many alternatives in the world today for advice, for direction, for spiritual uh, meditation, for all these different things. And yet we have the Word of God that teaches us right here what to do, how to do it. And it covers every topic. One more thing here I want to point out right here. You know, this is a normal desire. All of us desire the Word of God, desire instruction, desire knowledge. It just so happens, you know, Jesus said these words right here after Satan said to him, make this rock turn into a, a loaf of bread, tempted him to do something that wasn't normal, tempted him to find his word somewhere else that didn't come from the normal channel. And we as Christians, we're going to be tempted the same way. We're going to look for advice. We're going to look for the word of God anywhere but church or the Bible. And we're going to hear some construe of it and we're going to you know, wrap it around our minds or we're going to go some other direction because our bodies need it. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is it's a normal desire and church was meant to fill that desire. Amen. Amen. Let's look at this verse. Food. When I talk about food, I drew the connection between the Word of God and food. I talk, drew the connection between Jesus Christ and food. The Bible makes tons of references between food, Jesus, and the Word of God. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forevermore. In the previous verse, it says you cannot live by bread alone. In this verse, it says I am the living bread, a different kind of bread. Who is the I? The I is Jesus. 
He is saying here, reminding us here that food is the word of God. That food is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. It's word printed out in the gospels that we can read. Jesus will talk to you. He will give his word to you. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, when we hear the word of God and we put it into our systems, we build our faith. It's the way our bodies work. It's the way our spiritual bodies work. So our churches need to be healthy. And healthy food means healthy bodies. Healthy bodies means healthy food. So we need to be preaching the word of God in our churches to be healthy. There are lots of ways to do that, though. Lots of ways to do that. So I came up with this little picture here I found on Google. That's a beautiful picture. If you like health food, this is, is pretty much the picture of it as we understand it today. And there's some basic food groups here I want to cover off real quick. Anybody who's been in home ec classes or biology classes or all of our doctors and nurses here, you know, they, they know this like the back of our hand. Protein. You need protein. Protein builds muscle. You get bigger with protein. When you're working out, you need more protein. You need protein. You have protein shakes, protein packs, lots of ways to get protein. Cheese, nuts, meats, protein. What is protein for a church? The stuff that builds muscles is these verses that we can hang our hat on, these key verses, these main verses. If I preach a message or anybody preaches a message, it's got 42 verses from 42 different stories and you have no clue how it all fit together, you got no protein. You got a bunch of other stuff. Today, the main verse is men should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What I'm trying to say to you, church, is you need to know that you need more word of God in your life. That's protein. Carbs. What are carbs for? Well, carbs pack energy. There's good carbs and bad carbs. I'm just thinking to myself because this is what we know today. Who knows what we'll learn tomorrow. There's good carbs and bad carbs. Good carbs store uh, energy in your body, and they release it when you need it. It's very important for people like Chris who run. He needs to carb load to store all this energy so he can really run really far. These things that inspire you, what are they? What do they get that give you energy? In church, we preach the word of God. The word of God from beginning to end is a book of stories. We need to be using stories much like I'm doing right now. We need to talk through a story and a concept to inspire people, to allow you to remember what you've taught and what you've been learning, and so you can apply that throughout the week. That's what carbs are. So when you come into the Word of God, you need to hear it in a way that can apply to you in some construct. Today we're using food, and today we're using zombies as a construct, walking dead, so you guys won't forget it. So when I ask you what we preached about, you should say, yeah, I got it stored up in there. I know what we talked about. We talked about we cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What else do you need? Well, you need vitamins and minerals. Yeah, we get these vitamin minerals through all sorts of things, some of the fruits, some of the nuts. Vitamins and minerals are the little teeny tiny things, right? Those are the details. If you have a sermon at a church that preaches the word over and over again with no details, you miss out on the very important minerals and vitamins that you need. If you've been listening to this series, I've been sneaking some details in here and there. And for those who pay attention, you take advantage of those details. The rest of you, that's okay. You'll learn to. But you need to be in a church where the details are presented, whether it's Sunday school or small group or prayer buddy or on Sunday morning. You need to be able to surface out those details and understand what the Word of God is saying to you. Amen? And finally, this is my favorite. You know all that green stuff? Those are vegetables. And everyone knows... Vegetables are what mom tells you to eat more of. Eat more vegetables. Vegetables, these are the thing that's lacking and that you really don't want, but you know you need. 
Mom fills that role in a church, generally the pastor. See, this is what you can't get if you just read the Bible yourself or if you just watch on TV or you read devotions. You miss out on this part, which is you got to be able to hear what you don't want to hear. When you're reading, you can just skip right past it. When you're on TV, you can hit mute. You can actually go to the bathroom. You can act like it didn't even happen. When you're sitting here like this, all you can do is fall asleep. And then I say, God is good. All the time. That means wake up your neighbor if he's asleep. You see my point? You got to hear everything I'm saying. You're going to pick up the good and the bad, the stuff you want to hear, the stuff you don't want to hear. So what is that part today? What is the protein? The protein is that key verse I talked about. Man should not live by bread alone. The story is a story about uh, being alive and walking dead. The, the details are in there if you look. And, and well, what you don't want to hear, let me put it right here. I'll put it on verses. I'll just throw it up here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. In fact... By this time, you ought to be teachers. What? You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. The Bible is saying most of you have heard so much scripture, most of you have heard so much Bible sermon, Bible teaching, that you shouldn't need to hear any more. And most of you in this camp, you actually should be teaching. Some way, somehow, some medium, you should be teaching. I didn't say it, Jesus did. Keep looking here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. But instead, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, a little baby, is not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. But those of you who are on solid food, that is for the mature, who have constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good. We need to move away from just Milk and honey into solid food. Now, there are times like this message when we say some flowery things and we say some things that are fun and inspiring. But there's two words here I want to point out real quick. Training. Training. And here's another word. Distinguish. These are very important. The Word of God is going to allow you to train yourself. It's going to allow you to be able to distinguish or discern. These are very important things in the Bible that they teach over and over again. To rightly divide the word. To know good and evil. To know what is righteous. To know what is sin and does it not. All these things are in the Bible. And we know that from reading the Bible and hearing the Bible. The word of God will keep you healthy. Can you recognize healthy preaching when you hear it? Can you identify deception when it's around you? Can you diagnose temptation before it traps you? If you answer no to any of those questions, you need more of the Word of God in your life. Amen? Otherwise, you have a lot of milk and honey. I call it the land of milk and honey. That's the name of this sermon because I think a lot of times, you know, I get influenced by and I get tempted by just giving you milk and honey. The Bible talks about the land of milk and honey. That's the, that's the, planti the plentiful. That's where the, the Israelites were going to the promised land. Get to the land of milk and honey. Go to the land of milk and honey. Yeah, when they got there, they had to kill animals and fight fights and plant their own food. And, and they had to do a lot of stuff. They had to go beyond just milk and honey. We need to get beyond just milk for our infants, church. And we do that in all these rooms across the church on Sunday morning. We got plenty of milk going on and honey for the little kids. But you guys, you got to keep me honest. If I preach too much milk and honey, say, hey, I need a little bit more meat. Right? Details. I ask you, what spiritual diet change is necessary for you? So I got one more point here and then we'll close. And I think it'll be easy for you guys to get it. This is the opposite of healthy eating. This 
is unhealthy eating, at least as we know it today. If you are going to be part of a church that's walking dead, we're probably going to be serving a lot of this. And Chris, we serve donuts even bigger than that, so I'm a little bit worried. Walking dead church is going to serve unhealthy food, unhealthy spiritual food. What does that look like? Well, we all know this. It means a lot of sugar. If I preach messages that only make you feel good all the time, every time, every service, every time we go, no matter who's preaching, if it just makes you feel good, you're getting a lot of sugar. And you know what happens? You get on a sugar high, then you walk out that door, and then you crash, and then how you feel. And you go, oh, I'm going to go now watch 40 more sermons until next Sunday to get 40 more feel-good messages so I can get to Sunday and feel good again and do the whole process over again. You're living on sugar. Fatty foods. This is what Chris was pointing out. Fatty foods. You know what fatty foods do? As we understand, it blocks your arteries. It clogs your blood flow. What does fatty foods look like in church sermons? It's when we take all the Bible verses and we smash it all together and we leave out or we stick in stuff that blocks the blood of Jesus. If we don't talk about the blood of Jesus, if we don't talk about the cross, if we don't talk about heaven and hell, we are serving fatty foods. Let me make it real simple for you. Jesus Christ died for you. You're a sinner. You need to get to heaven. You need to get close to God. You need to get closer to him. You can't with sin. Jesus' blood washes you away from sin and now creates a connection, a bridge with God that you could not have otherwise. Then he has a plan for you. He died on the cross. He was resurrected so you could be even more on this planet before you get to that one. And that is the gospel message. Amen. Fried food. My wife pointed this out. I asked her, tell me about fried food. What is it about fried food? I know why it's bad, but why do we love it so much? Well, it tastes good. And I'm trying to figure out why does all fried food taste good? Because most of it tastes the same, I think. And, you know, I'm gluten-free, so I have this problem with fried food and because of contaminants and whatnot. But Bridget reminded me, you know what they do with fried food? You take something that is probably really good for you, like vegetables. You fry them, and you turn them into something that's not. Now, not all fried food's bad for you, but we can go overboard with fried food. Here is my interpretation of fried food in an unhealthy sermon. It's when we take something that is good, the Word of God, and we begin to misinterpret it. We fry it up. We just spit out maybe some little tidbits of knowledge. We spit out something that, that, that you seem to like. We have a little phrase that you catch on to, and it's not even biblical truth. It's not even theologically correct. You know, every worship song that we sing, we go through and make sure it's theologically correct. There are some songs we won't sing because they are not theologically correct. They do not encourage what the Word of God says. In this day and age with so much creativity and so much music and so many options to preach the word of God, we need to stay on point with what the Bible teaches theologically. Amen? And finally, the last one here, processed foods, not good for you. Processed foods. What are processed foods in, in, with respect to a sermon? Well, processed foods are those messages that are totally canned. It's like going to the internet, downloading a message, and just reading it. Well, you guys can do that on your own. What do you need to do here? Processed foods, it's like taking devotions and just reading devotions day in, day out, day in, day out, day in. There's nothing wrong with the devotion, but you can't live on a devotion. It's processed. It's made for the masses. And yes, it may speak to you because God is so creative. He's a living word. He can speak to you through a devotion. But you need people in your life who can hold you accountable. You need people in your life who know who you are. You need people in your life that can bond with you in a family like we are right now and that can speak to what God is doing with you as a family. Amen. If you eat too much of this nasty food, you get sick. 
as evidenced by my kids who came home from camp who ate nothing but this food, Pastor Chris, and last night one of them was up all night puking. You get sick. That's what happens. Or you get IBS and it goes in one end and out the other. That's what happens. You eat this stuff, this is what happens. I don't want to be a church that way. Yes, this message has got some sugary stuff in it. Yeah, and it's got some milk and honey in it. That's fine. This is the first message. There's six more. Believe me, they'll get a little deeper as we go. Amen? The bottom line here is this right here. Get more word. Church, we need to serve the word of God. What is your role in serving the word of God? Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you want to be a small group leader. We have some of those starting up now. Maybe you're helping with one of our kids' uh, leadership uh, areas and you're serving the word of God to them. What is your role? And if it's not in one of those areas, there's a lot of other areas you can serve roles. You can give me ideas for sermons. You can post on Facebook. Post the word of God. Post what you heard today on Facebook. Post it on our, our webpage. You can share our podcasts. All these ways you're serving the word of God. That's your role in a church, to serve the word of God. Here's something else you could do. And this is going to blow you away as individuals. You can pay attention. You can actually listen to the word of God and treat it with the honor that it's due. As individuals, look, we just need more word. We need to get it into our lives. We need more word in our lives, no matter what stage you're at. Devotions is a great way to do it. Do that. Bible app. Use that. Memory verse. When we were little kids, we always had memory verses. You guys should have a memory verse every week. Today, your memory verse is very simple. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's your memory verse. You should know it. I asked my wife, I said, look, we got to stop preaching these sermons where I'm preaching to the people. I said, I, we got we to preach to our own family. So my wife and I, we talked last night. What are we going to do? What are we going to change our behavior to get more word? So... What we're going to do, we're set a realistic goal because every week is not realistic in our family. Too many things happen. So once a month, we're going to make sure that we do a family devotion that we come up with. My wife will do one. I'll do one. My son will do one. And we'll go right down the list, all the way down to Griffin because I already know what his is going to be. God is good. I know what his is going to be. We're gonna, and then we'll, we'll cycle back. We're going to try to do that. So there's six of us. We do twice a year. Bam, right there. Got the whole, whole calendar panned out. We're going to try to do this. Keep me honest. Ask me how it's going. We need more word of God in our homes, in our churches. We need to challenge each other to get the word in it. If you don't like reading the Bible, find one you do like reading. If you don't like reading this, use your app. If you don't like doing that, fine. Talk to one of our older generations. They'll preach to you on the phone. Call them up. Call Clarence up. Say, what's going on your mind? He'll read the word of God right to you. Find a way to get more word. Amen. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.